Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Tonight, I invite your attention into the Word of the Lord to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to read a couple of different places there, but let's go to 26, chapter 26 of the book of Matthew, and then chapter 6. So we're going to be backtracking just a little, but um, Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 26. And verse 36. And this, of course, is just after Jesus has had that special time with his disciples in the upper room, a last supper, and they are being gathered by him into the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 36 picks up the story, Then come a Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Set ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Could you say those words with me? Thy will be done. And let's look at um, Matthew chapter number 6. This, of course, is the Lord's Prayer. Beginning in verse 9, after this matter, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Let's say it again. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know, the will of God has always been something that people, of course, are very sensitive to want to follow and what we're concerned with in our lives and living for the Lord and we want to fulfill the will of God. How many wants to fulfill the will of God for your life? You know that not only is it important that you fulfill the will of God to please Him, but also it's important that you fulfill the will of God for you to be able to be most fulfilled in life and to receive what you need in your daily walk with God, everything is in, kind of encapsulated in you being in the will of God, and being able to follow the will of God. And we've made that a little bit more difficult than I think it should be. We've made it more mysterious than it should be. But uh, if we rely upon God and follow His Spirit, it's very easy to be in the will of the Lord. The problem is a lot of times what we're seeing with our physical eyes and what we're feeling and what we're hearing a lot of times is not always parallel with what we think that the will of God should be. And sometimes in the process we're not able to see 
the end of all things and see how the will of God is being worked out. So I want to help us tonight. I want to preach from this subject. When the dust settles, God's will be done. When the dust settles, God's will be done. Praise the Lord. Would you lift up your voice with me once again and let's pray together. The Lord would help us in this house. Jesus, we have need of you. We desire you. We're praying, God, for you to move in this place. Touch the lives of people in this house, God. Strengthen us, O oh Lord. Anoint us afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. And would you praise the Lord with me and let's thank him together right now. Praise God. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. Most of you are probably uh, at least a little bit acquainted with what the Dust Bowl was and uh, what that means and what kind of an impact it had on West Texas and western parts of Oklahoma, eastern Kansas and Colorado. But really the epicenter of that was around the panhandles of Oklahoma and Texas. During the 1930s, there was a lingering drought. And because of our limited understanding at that time of uh, dry land farming, many of the people depended upon their crops entirely to make it. And so they just continued to plow the topsoil and plant the seed, not realizing what lie ahead and because of the limited amount of rain and because they had churned up the soil and all of the vegetation, the grass and weeds or what have you that would normally hold the soil in place was all taken away when the winds came. Uh, there was great dust storms that would come as a result of that. And these dust storms were not something that was minor. Matter of fact, uh, many times at the conclusion of one of these dust storms, it would totally shift the landscape and there would be such uh, remnants of the dust that had been churned up into the air that be left on roofs and uh, in, in around the doors of houses that they couldn't even open the doors. Um, we're talking about a major dust storm. It would actually darken the sky for days. It would cause confusion. It would paralyze any type of progress whatsoever. And then, of course, it would impair people's vision. And only when the dust settled could these people assess the situation, assess the damages as it were. And for many, the aftermath was too much for them to bear and uh, their farms folded because they could not, of course, in these kind of conditions, raise a crop. Their farms uh, folded up, and uh, they walked away from their properties and their lands. They could not afford to have them any longer, and they moved west. Some of you have probably read the story, Grapes of Wrath, by John Steinbeck. It's a classic and it tells a little bit about a particular family in this situation that moved to Bakersfield. And even to this day, uh, there is areas in Southern California, particularly Bakersfield, that there are people that are just a couple of generations, I suppose, removed from what they would call the Grapes of Wrath. They refer to that book as identifying themselves. My parents came during the Dust Bowl, and they came out west. Unfortunately, some of them did not find immediately a better life, thinking that they were going to be able to come in and, and capitalize on the labor of agricultural farms that were there in the Valley of California, but they were not able to do so uh, immediately. But it wasn't long after the Dust Bowl that there came the great Depression, or during that time was the Great Depression, and not long after that, World War II. And that would seem like insult to injury, but 
In fact, it positioned these people that had been forced to move to be in a place where they would be able to assume jobs, to work in factories and manufacturing plants that were going to support the war. And as a result of that, many of those families, their lives did improve. So when actually the dust settled, when everything ultimately turned out in the end, it was okay. And their lives were made better as a result of these what seemed like insurmountable situations and incredible odds. Sort of reminds me of the prophet Nahum who said, The Lord is slow to anger, great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. Now you know what that word acquit means when a person is charged with a crime and they go to trial and uh, they are found not guilty by the jury. That means they are acquitted of their crime. That means it can no longer be held against them. There is not going to be another trial because when they're acquitted, it's over with. Uh, they'll never be charged with that again. But the Bible says the Lord will not at all acquit the wicked. In other words, the enemy is not going to get off the hook. The enemy is not going to be able to get by. It may appear right now that he has won the battle, but he's not going to win the war. Can somebody say praise the Lord? And then Nahum goes on and says, The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind, and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. The enemy is not going to be acquitted for the trouble that he has caused and the things that he has brought against us in our lives. He, he's just not going to get by with it. A child of God that continues to be faithful to God and serve God is going to come out on top. I have to believe that. I believe that according to the word of God that is true. I believe that uh, according to the principles that are taught in this book that I preach out of tonight. Uh, that I am ultimately going to be victorious. I may be in the heat of it right now. I may be facing things that I don't understand right now. There may be areas of my life that I don't see clearly right now. My vision may be impaired by the dust that the devil stirred up. But I can tell you one thing. When the dust settles, the will of God is ultimately going to be done. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. One of the most interesting stories in the Bible along these lines is, of course, the story of the old patriarch Joseph. How that Joseph, one of the younger sons of Jacob, was favored of his father. We all know the story. We've heard the story of how that that favor brought a reproach upon him. And actually, it brought jealousy and wrath from his brother's when he was favored of his father. And I'm going to tell you in some ways that's true in the spiritual also. If you got the blessings of God upon you, don't expect everybody to like you. Amen. And don't expect everybody to be happy for you. We, we, we've been admonished by the word of the Lord, and I've said this before, to weep with them that weep, and most of us don't have problems doing that. We'll weep with those that weep. But that rejoicing with them that rejoice is more difficult and more challenging to our humanity. There's this something within us that when things is going good in somebody else's life and things are not going so good in our lives, we got a tendency to just kind of hold back a little bit or not be happy for them. But I want to tell you something along that, and that is that you can go ahead and rejoice with that person that God is blessing right now, because if you continue to walk with God and be faithful to the Lord and live according to His Word, you're not always going to stay down. It's not always going to be bad times, but there's going to be times of blessing. Sometimes you have to endure the bad times to know and realize the times of blessing. Can somebody say praise the Lord? And so there was jealousy among these brothers. And God would reveal things through dreams to Joseph that really in his naivety 
And in his immaturity, he didn't realize that God was showing him something that he did not mean for him to reveal to everybody else. Can I just help you tonight? Everything that God tells you that he's going to do in your life, it doesn't mean for you to go out and blab it to everyone and to tell everyone, oh, think, oh this is what God's going to do for me. Let, me. let me share with you what God's going to give to me and what God, God showed me. He's going to give me a new house. And God showed me he's going to bless me with a new car. And he's going to give me a six-figure job. Amen. Now, you're looking at one man that can rejoice with you on that one. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because it just makes sense, doesn't it? Praise the Lord. I'll rejoice with you. Nobody else does. Come tell pastor. But everybody's not going to rejoice with you. Matter, matter of fact, it may incite a little bit of jealousy as it did like in the life of Joseph. See, he began to share these things. They kind of got to the place they'd kind of sigh and roll their eyes and it aggravated them. It, it, it upset them. They, they said, look, you know, it seemed like God's speaking to him all the time. And, and I haven't had God speak to me like that. Never had God give me a dream or give me a vision. And it seemed like poor old Joseph down there. I mean, he is one of the younger sons here. And looks like if God was going to speak to somebody, he'd start at least with the eldest and work his way down. But none of us have had God speak to us like he has. Why is it that God is favoring him. Not only had he had the favor of his earthly father, but he was experiencing or telling them about his favor with his heavenly father, and that even made matters worse for them. And so when they saw him coming, and they began to devise a plan, said, let's throw him in this Let's, let's slay him is what they first suggested. And then it was Reuben that said, no, let's don't do that. Let's throw him in the pit. And uh, we can place him there. And, and uh, maybe we can, we can uh, sell him as a slave to somebody. And it just so happened that these Ishmaelite merchant men came by. And they were able to sell Joseph into that company of men. And then eventually he ends up. In Egypt, and I'm trying to hasten this story just a little bit, but he ends up in Egypt and he's sold into slavery. And I suppose that if anybody would have had justification to get bitter or to wonder what's going on, what's happening, this isn't right, I suppose Joseph would have had a reason to do so and felt somewhat justified in doing so. Why is this? Has anybody ever asked that question? Why is this happening to me? Now, everybody's real slow to nod their head. Everybody's real slow to say yes. But you know what? Everybody, 100%, if you've been in this thing very long at all, you've asked that question, why is this happening to me? And it hasn't always been with your finger pointed towards God. Sometimes you're thinking in self-evaluation, why is this happening to me? In self-examination, why? Is there something that I have done wrong? But Joseph couldn't really look over his life and find any one particular thing that he had just missed it on or he had done completely wrong. Again, God's favor upon him caused resistance to come from the enemy. And I know that the enemy, we think of it only being in a spiritual sense, but God uses people and the devil has also use people by time. And, and folks can come under his influence and allow him to use them and manipulate them and cause them to, to be a source of resistance against the will of God or the work that God intends to do through somebody's life. I wouldn't want to be that person. I don't want to be a person that stands in the way of the will of God. I don't want to be a person that stands in the way of what God intends to do in somebody's life. I wouldn't want to be a discouragement. I wouldn't want to be an impediment. I wouldn't want to be a weight to somebody and the will of God being done in their life. Oh, come on. All of you that are married, you better perk up your ears right now. You don't be a drag on something that God's wanting to do in your spouse's life. Don't you drag your feet if God's wanting to use them and God's wanting to work 
Come on, you get this for free. Amen. If God's wanting to anoint them and God's wanting to bless them and God's wanting them to step out. I, I've seen people say, well, honey, you, you know we can't really afford to give like that. And God on the other end of that was going to bless them in a big way if they would have just been able to step out in faith. But there was somebody saying, we can't do it. There's somebody saying it's impossible. Somebody was standing back and dragging their feet on the will of God being done. Amen. Starting out a little slow tonight, aren't I? Praise God. Well, the Bible tells me that once in Egypt in slavery that he began to be elevated until he became Potiphar's the head of his household basically the Bible says I mean all of Potiphar's affairs it was Joseph that took care of them it was like he was the main guy that Potiphar leaned upon and the Bible says that Potiphar's wife, her eyes fell upon Joseph and she began to desire him and she tried her best to allure him and tempt him to do something immoral. And notice what Joseph said. He said, all that is in your husband's house, he's given to me. There's not one thing that he's held back from me but you. And I wouldn't do this to my Lord. What he meant, I wouldn't do this to the man that's in authority over me. I'm a loyal man. I, I'm not going to violate uh, the trust that he's placed in me. I'm more loyal than that. I'm going to tell you, loyalty is a vanishing virtue in the 21st century. Because everybody's out for me. Everybody's out for themselves. Everybody wants what's best for them. But I want to tell you, you can never really be elevated in the kingdom of God unless you're a loyal person. Did I hear an echo in here? I said you cannot be anything in the kingdom of God and really truly used of God if you're not a loyal person. I want to say it one time more, and that is that if you're going to be blessed, if you're going to be used of God, you're going to have to learn to be loyal. You can't lead unless you're loyal. Amen. You cannot be trusted with the anointing unless you're loyal. Amen. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I'm going to direct it back to you, God. It's not just about me because if you're only a me person, amen, there's not enough room in there for God to get the glory. There's not enough room in there for God to get the praise for it. He cannot use you because it's all directed back to you. Amen. Praise God. And so... He said, you know, when Potiphar leaves the house, he can leave his billfold on his dresser and he knows I'm not going to touch it. When Potiphar leaves and he leaves you here, he trusts me that I'm not going to do something that I shouldn't do. And then, of course, there was the betrayal of Potiphar's wife and how, again, he is demoted and thrown into the prison. Now I'm just going to tell you it wasn't just a normal prison. It was a dungeon according to the scripture. It was a place nobody would desire to be. And he was there for a long period of time. You know what's hard to take. And we talked about it a little bit this morning when we talked about the rivers turning. And, 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 and how things can seem like they're going backwards and they're not making any progress. And it seems like at this particular time in Joseph's life, things has turned around on him. He's had a major reversal. It doesn't look like things is really progressing. It looks like, in fact, that he's been demoted all the way back to the beginning. And that's hard to take sometimes. I'm going to tell you, when you've got to build all over again, when, when a storm comes through and wipes it down to the foundation, you've got to start all over again. Sometimes, you know, those folks down in New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina came through, uh, it literally leveled their house or flooded it out. And, and some of them said, you know, rather than to build here in an area that is prone to be flooded again, we'll just, 
We'll just start over somewhere else. We'll just do it somewhere else. We won't even try to build here again because there's too much risk. I'm going to tell you, when you build again, you got to get past all the inhibitions and you got to get past all the apprehension. You got to get past all of the, the memories of what happened at this place in the past. And you got to get over all of the hurt and all those things that, that, that bog your mind out. You got to get past all of that and say, you know what? I'm just going to clean the, the slab back off and I'm going to build again right here because I know this is the will of God. God, and ultimately I'm going to come out victorious and so I'm just going to build again and so Joseph he said you know what I'm not going to run from this thing I'm not going to blame somebody else for this thing. I'm not going to point my finger. I'm just going to start doing what I've always done. And that's living with integrity. I'm going to tell you, you take somebody that's faithful. You take somebody that's got integrity. It's going to be like a bobber. You can push it down as far as you want to push it down. But it's coming back up to the surface. You can't hold somebody that's got integrity down for too long. Amen. You know somebody that'll cheat and lie and connive, they can look like for a little while that they're getting by. And it looks like for a little while that they're being successful. And it looks like for at least a little while that things is going good for them. I'll never forget, I was just beginning to preach. And there was another young man that was kin to me that we started together. And we started in the ministry kind of about the same time. And uh, he, he didn't have really a heart for God as he should have. And we, we just kind of plodding along, wasn't getting anywhere, was not getting anywhere fast. It didn't seem like things was progressing too quickly. And man, I watched him. It looked like he started out of the, out of the blocks like a dragster. I mean, whoo, took off. I mean, he'd come by and wave at me in new cars and, and uh, moved into a nice, nice new house and, and uh, everything. I mean, always, always, come on, let me, let me show you, man. I just put in a, he had a, bought a new house and he put in a jacuzzi in the back. And I went back there and, man, all I could do is just let out a low whistle, man. Woo, look at this, man. This is awesome. Manicured lawns. Uh, I mean, just awesome, everything. And I, I wasn't I wouldn't jealous about it, but I knew this guy wasn't living like he needed to live. He wasn't as committed as he needed to be. And, you know, it, it seemed like he was getting ahead. And I thought to myself, there's many times I'd go to prayer and say, man, what am I doing wrong? I mean, it just looks like I'm just barely getting by from week to week, and here we are struggling, and things aren't going so hot. And I, I, I just, I just... I just knew that, that, that I had to trust. I'm going to tell you, you can trust the Word of God. You can trust in God. God is not a man that He should lie. Amen. You can stand on this Bible when you can stand on nothing else. When you can't trust in it. I just said, I'm going to keep on walking with God. I don't know. Maybe it's not intent. Maybe God knows me better than I know myself. Maybe He knows I can't handle all of that. Maybe He knows that's not intended for me. And, and you know, I'm not gloating in this, but that that young man, in a period of time, lost virtually everything. Lost his family, lost his home, lost everything because he never really had the integrity to handle the blessings that were coming his way. I'm going to tell you, you've got to have integrity. This building has to have integrity to hold up this structure and to stand here and to weather storms. Amen. If it doesn't have integrity, it'll blow over the first storm that comes along. It doesn't matter how much trim we put on it. It doesn't matter how we paint it up, how colorful it is. If it doesn't have integrity, it's not going to stand. I don't know why I'm preaching this, but I am preaching this. That is that we've got to have integrity to be blessed of God. And if you want to be blessed of the Lord, you may not be the first one, amen, to get there. But if you just keep plodding and keep walking with God, God is going to bring you out in due season. Amen. You can't question God. He said He puts down one and He raises up another. Amen. When God gets ready to take you by the hand and raise you up, there's no man, there's no devil in hell that can hold you down. 
Praise the Lord. My Lord, we got an air conditioner in this place. I'm burning up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sometimes I'm complaining about being too cold, but not tonight. So, this man keeps his integrity. Time comes that there's a baker and a butler that have a dream on the same night, and he notices the next morning these fellows are disturbed about it. And finally he asks him, said, what's going on? They said, well, we had a dream. And we don't know, you know. It seemed like there's something more than just the result of what we ate. It seemed like there's some kind of spiritual significance to this. We can't put our finger on it. He said, well, let me just tell you about them dreams. I've had a few dreams myself. And God has an interpretation for those dreams. They begin to tell him about those dreams. And he began to share with them what the meaning was. And he said he put a time frame on it. He said in three days things are fixing to change for you. And they, sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Three days later, the baker, he was dead, but the butler was elevated into Pharaoh's palace to be his cupbearer, to be his butler. And so he said, but when this happens, butler, he said, I want you to remember me when you get, when you get there. I don't want you to forget about me down here in the dungeon. I know we've been down here years together, and I want you to remember me. But you know, like human nature is sometimes, when things start going good, he forgot. Matter of fact, he didn't even remember poor old Joseph down there. You know, when you've got things going good for you, you always need to remember somebody that's still coming up. You need to always have compassion for somebody that may not have it so good. Amen. Don't ever get to big head. Don't ever get to thinking you're better than them. Don't ever get to looking down your nose at them. Don't ever get prideful because just like Joseph already realized, things can turn around on a dime and you can be without everything overnight. He knew what it was to be betrayed and the next night be in the dungeon. And so he said, I'm not going to forget that. But this butler... He forgot, and he was there working in Pharaoh's palace. And finally, one day, Pharaoh has a dream. And he remembers, hey, there is a man that is able to interpret these dreams. And he told him the story, the testimony of how they didn't interpret the dream of he and the baker. And he said, I want you to go get him. And everything that it happened up until that point. All the twists and turns of this story. All the things that looked like they were against him and opposed to him. And in opposition to the will of God. Everything turned around at that moment. When he came before Pharaoh, notice what he said. He said, let's get one thing straight. Let's get one thing clear. He said, it's not in me to give an interpretation for your dream." In other words, I don't have some kind of psychic ability. It's not in my flesh to be able to do this. I don't have the ability to foretell the future. I can't tell you uh, going by symbols or whatever that happened in your dream. Try to, try to pass one off. Again, integrity comes into the picture again. I'm not going to lie for you, Pharaoh, just to get out of jail. I'm not just going to give you some type of fairy tale just so I can get out of the dungeon. I'm not just going to give you some farce or some phony deal so that I can get out of this tight spot that I'm in. But I'm going to tell you the truth. And if God gives me something, I'll share it with you. And if he doesn't give it to me, well, I guess I'll just have to go back to the dungeon. But God did share with him exactly what the dream was. He said interpretation is of the Lord. And he said God is going to give you an interpretation. And I want you to know before we ever get started here that it's not me that's going to receive the credit for this. But it's my God that's going to receive the credit for this. 
And there was something about that that Pharaoh said, I like this guy. And I'm going to bless this guy. And I'm, I'm going to rely upon this guy. And, and God began to share things through Joseph to help Pharaoh. And as a result, he not only is elevated to be the chief guy, he is the governor, the man next in command to Pharaoh himself over all the storehouses of Egypt. And then there's a famine that comes, just like Joseph had said in the interpretation of the dream that it was going to happen. And when this famine comes, the family of Joseph, Jacob and all of those boys that betrayed Joseph were affected by it in Canaan. And he had heard that there's plenty, Jacob had, that there's plenty in Egypt now you 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 keep in mind for over twenty years now he thinks he thinks that Joseph is dead. He thinks he is no more. He thinks a wild beast has devoured him. And he saw the bloody coat that they brought back that they'd actually put goat's blood on and, and these fellows that didn't have any integrity had ripped it up and made it look like he had been devoured by a lion or something. And he, he said, look, he, they showed him the coat. He said, well, no, no doubt he's dead. It's over with. And so he has, no, he has no idea that it's Joseph that is the governor of the land. But he sends his sons, a few of them, to go and to seek corn because of the famine, to get some, some food and supplies because of this grievous famine. And you know the story of how it progresses along until they this back and forth and finally Joseph reveals himself to his brother. Now I want you to notice something. He has the ability to exact vengeance. He has the ability to get even as it were. He has the ability to let the guillotine fall on these brothers that have betrayed him. But that's not the attitude. I'm going to tell you when you've been broken, when you've been through something it doesn't make you haughty. It doesn't make you vengeful. It doesn't make you bitter. But if you really obey the process that God has for you it'll make you more humble it'll make you more compassionate it'll make you understand amen that there was something that God was doing through all of this that I need to recognize and so they are fearful when he reveals who he is to them they are so fearful and afraid. They said, oh, no. Judgment's going to fall. I told you, fellas. I told you guys. I tried to talk you out of doing this. And look what has happened now. We're going to be punished. I knew this day was going to come. Finally, God has allowed Joseph to get even. But that's not what Joseph said. And that's not what he saw in this situation. Notice what he said. He said in Genesis 45 and 5, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did save me before you to send me before you to preserve life. And then in verse 8, so now it was not you. You thought that you were making the choices. You thought that you, you were calling the shots. But that's not how it was at all. It was not you that sent me hither, but God. Amen. you got to understand the process here. you got to understand that God was having his way in the midst of the storm. And when the dust settles, the Lord's will is going to be done. When it all is said and done, it's all going to come out all right. It may look like resistance now, but bless your heart, a day of reward is coming. It may look like opposition now, but bless your heart, a day of blessing is coming. It may look like I'm fought against right now, but if I'll just keep being faithful and keep the faith and keep doing right, I'm going to come out on top. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how much dust the devil kicks up. God's will is going to be done if you remain faithful in the process. Oh, somebody ought to lift up your hands and let's praise the Lord. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's praise the Lord with our hearts. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You know, we're, we're kind of keen to take things by our five senses. Genesis 13, 
there became a feud between Abram and Lot, actually the herdsmen. And he said, man, we can't have this. We, we're brethren. There can't be this feuding going on. Matter of fact, I feel this tell you, Lot. He said, look, you go one way, I'll go the other. They were, I don't know, guests standing up on a high area where they could overlook and see out on the horizon. Lot sound, said, sound like a deal to me. Verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the place of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. It was lush. The Bible is very clear that this was before judgment came to Sodom and Gomorrah. It just looked so good. It was so appealing to the flesh. He said, there can't be any, anything wrong with just following my sight on this. And Lot, verse 11, chose him all the plain. You notice it says that he chose him all the plain. He didn't even cut some of it out and say, you know, Uncle Abraham, you know, it looked like I could just give you a little bit of this. Matter of fact, I'll take half of it. I'll take, uh, you know, just draw a line down the middle of that. You take one half, I'll take the other. He said, no, I want it all. I want all the good stuff. You ever met anybody like that? I mean, it was Abram that was giving him the choice, and this guy is so full of himself that he said, just t- I'll take every bit of it you'll give me. I've met folks like that. I'll take anything you'll give me. Matter of fact, they knock on my door about every day over there. I'll take everything you give me. Man, I just about lost my Holy Ghost yesterday. So I was in here praying, and somebody, I was looking through that little peephole that Doc drilled in there for me, and they were taking a rock and beating on my door. I said, help me, Holy Ghost. If I answer this door right now, it's not going to be good. I'm probably not going to be giving $5 bills away. Amen. I'm probably going to have them out here with a paintbrush. And some spackling or whatever it is that you can fix metal doors with fixing this door because that upset me. Brother Mike Cole had mercy and came over here and gave him some money and they, they moved on. I said, my God, I'm trying to pray, trying to get a hold of you. And then somebody shows up like that beating on my door with a rock. My gracious me. But anyway, I don't even know why I had to tell you that story, but I'm just telling you. So when you knock on my door, tap on it real nice. <laughs> I just happened to look at the peephole while they was doing that. And that's, I didn't answer the door then. I just said, no, I ain't answering it now. Because I wouldn't have a good attitude if I did. And I just got through telling you folks that I had been praying about God giving me compassion. And seeing people like he sees them. And so I said, I ain't answering the door right now. Because I'm going to have to go back in there and pray again. And I'm going to have to spend 30, of my hour, 30 minutes of my hour repenting over these feelings that I'm having about telling them they shouldn't be using that rock to knock on my door. And you know what? They shouldn't be using a rock to knock on my door. More respect for the house of God. I mean, he, he said, I'll take everything. I'll take it all. Anything you give me. Abraham said, just take it. You know what Abraham chose? He chose blessing over contention. He chose blessing over a fight. Because the blessed man realized, it don't matter where I go. If I got the hand of God on me. If I got the favor of God on me. Amen. It doesn't matter what other people choose. It doesn't matter what their decisions are. It doesn't matter how they try to work it. And it doesn't matter what angle they take. It doesn't matter how they try to work against me. Somebody mentioned to me one time, said, man, you don't seem like you, you have any problem just letting people up to preach and, and uh, uh, people come through and it doesn't seem like it, you, it bothers you a bit. Uh, when, when saints come up to them and tell them what a good job, I said, man, that don't bother me a bit. I said, if it wasn't God's will for me to be here, amen, I couldn't stay here no matter how hard I tried. And if it is God's will for me to be here, amen, there, and there ain't nothing anybody can do to really run me off. You got to trust in the will of God. You got to have faith in the will of God. 
You don't have to be jealous. You don't have to be envious. You don't have to work the game. You don't have to be manipulative if you're in the will of God. People that are always trying to elbow their way to the top and climbing people's backs are people that are not in the will of God. If you're in the will of God, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. You just go where God wants you to go. You just step where God wants you to step. You just do what God wants you to do. Hallelujah. And so, go. And the Lord said immediately. Somebody told me that Lot's name, one of the meanings of his name was veil. So finally, that veil is taken away. And he said to Abraham, lift up now thine eyes. And look from this place, right here. Not some other place. You don't have to go over there to find it. Right here. Look from this place northward, southward, eastward, and westward. And he said, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it. I'm going to bless you. I mean... Uh, it may have looked like that that was a well-watered plain, and it may have looked like that was the best land, but I'm going to bless you more than what you can even imagine because you have walked with me. When the dust settles, it's all going to be better for you than it's going to be for Lot. When the dust settles, that man that trusts in me and puts his faith in me and acknowledges me in all of his ways, it's going to be better for him than it's going to be for anybody else. Just keep walking and keep trusting and keep believing and keep putting your faith and reliance in God. You can't go wrong when you're blessed. You can't go wrong if you stay in the hand of the Lord. You can't go wrong as long as you keep the favor of God upon your life. I want to walk in your... That's what you ought to pray every day. I want to walk in your favor. I want to walk in your favor. I need your blessing. I want your approval. Amen. Man's approval can be so finicky. Man's approval can be up and down. Man's approval can be like any other thing. It, it, it fluctuates. But, but God, amen, when he puts his hand upon a person, and when he blesses a person's life, it's for real. It's there. Amen. It's noticeable. Amen. You can't get away from it. You, you can't fight against it. It's the will of God. Amen. Amen. Is it making sense tonight? I just feel this in my spirit. Somebody needs to know that if I can just walk in the will of God, there may be some twists and turns, but it's all going to lead to the destination that I need it to. Amen. And, and you know, sometimes we think when resistance comes and when it really starts mounting up and when it gets intense, oh, that's a sign. I'm going the wrong way. Anybody ever went the wrong way? We, we were coming up uh, 30 one evening, coming back from Dallas. And uh, I, Brother Wesley Jackson was driving. Uh, he had went with us over there. And Brother Wesley Jackson was driving. That's dangerous enough. And we was driving down and uh, on the highway there. And somebody had gotten on, I think, up at State Line. And, and confused and drunk and got on coming the wrong way down the interstate. And I mean, we barely was able to dodge them. Brother Jackson was barely able to get out of the way. And uh, they were flying down the wrong way. You go the wrong way very long and you're going to end up in tragedy. And that's exactly what happened, unfortunately, on down the way about where uh, Texas Roadhouse is. There was a a major collision, and this man was highly intoxicated, come to find out. But it impaired his judgment that he went a, the wrong way down a one-way part of the road. And man, there's all kinds of warning signs the wrong way. But I'm going to tell you, just because you're going against the stream, as it were, in your walk with God, does not necessarily mean that you're going the wrong way. We think when we're swimming against the current, man, it'd be easier just to let us just kind of float along and, and uh, get on one of them inner tubes and just see where this thing carries us and just, 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 be, just sunbathe a little while and catch some rays. It'll be all right. Anybody ready for summertime? But you know what? 
That's not, a, that's not always the will of God. That's not always the way it should work. Sometimes we're, we're doing everything we can possibly do uh, to keep making progress, to keep our head above water. Amen. To, to keep from, from, from letting the current take us in a direction. I'm going to tell you, this world is flowing in a direction that I don't want to go. And to live for God, you've got to go upstream. To live for God and to make progress and to do what is right and fulfill the will of the Lord in your life. You've got to be willing to stand against the current. And sometimes that can be difficult. You've got to be willing to go a different way than the masses are going. But if you're willing to do that... If you're willing to accept that challenge, sometimes when the resistance gets intense, it's a sign that we're closer to victory than ever before. Amen. How did Brother Plantania say that? He said, I'm preaching now. Praise God. Well, I, I, I'm fixing to wrap this thing up tonight. And I'm telling you that right when you feel like you can't go any further and you can't do any more and it seems like you're about to cave and it seems like there is absolutely no more that you can do and the resistance is so intense and it seems like so much is against you. I'm going to tell you, it's there that you're at the point of breakover. It's there that you're fixing to cross a line. It's there that God is fixing to intervene for you. You've got to believe that. Now I preach this about every other way that I know to preach it in this church. I, I've, I've, I've showed you time and time again how this principle works through different areas of the Scripture. But one of the areas that, that I want to touch on tonight is in Mark chapter number 9. The Bible said there was a man who had a son that had a, a, a demonic spirit that was so intense that all times he said he cast himself or this spirit that possesses him cast him into the fire and sometimes into the water. Now, that's extreme, isn't it? There's no more extremes in fire and water. That's two extremes. I'm going to tell you. It, it, if you could just fight on this extreme and you was just being resisted over here, you could... You, you know, sometimes it's easier to handle it if you know you're fighting on one front. But then you turn around and it's coming from this direction. And that's the way some people feel. It's not, only, not only is there water, but there's fire. And not only is there this stream, but there's this stream over here. And not only is there this problem, but there's this problem. There's not only this challenge, but there's that challenge. And it seems like I'm fought on every side, as Paul said. Yet, I will not be perplexed. Amen. I'm not going to get down because I know that victory is imminent. I know that I'm standing at the premise of a great victory in my life, a blessing in my life. And so he brings, he said, I brought this fellow, my young son, to your, to your disciples, and they could not pray deliverance. And Jesus asked him a question. He said, how long has this been going on? And I thought that was pretty odd that he would ask him, how long? And this is a young man now. He said, since he was a child. Since he was a child. That's a significant part of the story. Because sometimes things that happen in a person's childhood, and I don't mean to get in deep waters here before I try to close. If they're not corrected, they can affect a person's adulthood. Since he was a child. And then I want you to notice this. When he begins to ask the Lord to do something about it, he said, please can you help us? Two times he uses the word us. Us. We need help. I'm going to tell you, if there's a situation involving someone dear to you and your family that's going on, it not only affects them, it affects everybody around them. He said, we all need help. This has not only affected the son, but by watching this, 
And can you imagine a child so so overtaken by a spirit cast himself in the fire and burns himself physically and, and then tries to drown himself in the, the mental fatigue and the mental anguish that this has brought up on this father watching this all of these years. And it's just, it's, it's just like any other spirit that is, that is allowed to, to just wreak havoc in a person's life. If, it's not, if he's not delivered and if it's not, and if it's not taken care of, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. And so this situation is just growing more intense and it's getting worse and it's getting more challenging and the anguish of it is building up to the point this man feels like I can't take it anymore and he brings him to the disciples. They can't help him so there's another thing he's down on and then he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, help us. We're at the point the boy is not the only one that needs help but I need some help now. I'm going to tell you, if you've been praying for somebody for a long time, God's not only able to touch them tonight, but He's also able to touch you. He's able to work in your situation. He's able to restore your faith. He's able to work in your life. He's able to encourage you. Come on, is there anybody who just wave your hand in honesty and say, that's me. I need some help. I need you to replenish my virtue, God, my faith. Give me strength. Help us tonight, Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible says, when he, when they brought this young man to him, the scripture says it this way. I'm going to read it. It says that when they brought him to Jesus straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell to the ground and wallowed foaming. In other words, that, that thing, that devil started to kick it up more dust. That thing got more intense. Now... Again, I'm not going to get off in deep waters here, but I've never seen anybody delivered from a spirit. In the times that I've seen devils cast out, I've never seen it happen when the devil wasn't stirred up. Anybody else seen that happen? No, I've never seen it happen unless the devil is stirred up. There has to be something that brings that thing to the surface, and the person possessed by it has to want deliverance. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. And they're taking control. Amen. And they're going to make a fool out of you. Amen. But if that person wants deliverance, and this is where the sensitivity of the Spirit comes in, and, and that person is really fully hungry for the things of God, though they've they got this thing going on and they need deliverance, that thing has to be uh, some way or another. It, it, it's going to fight a little bit before it comes out. There's going to be resistance before that devil's going to be cast out. And there was resistance as he began to approach and come into the presence of the Lord. That's why it's important that we have intense worship around here. That the intensity of our worship be greater than the intensity of the working of the enemy that may be taking place in the hearts and lives of people that are bound by sin. There needs to be something greater inside these doors is what I'm trying to say than what they're bringing in from the world and the addictions and the problems and the difficulties and the challenges that they're bound by. There has to be something greater in this house that can meet that challenge. And how do we get there? I will tell you how you start the Spirit of God is you start worshiping. You start praying. The Bible said he inhabits the praise of his people. You want to get God moving? You want to get God working? You just start worshiping him. You start lifting him up. You start praising him. Oh, come on now. Somebody needs to lift up their voice and say, you know what? This is not going to be a place where the devil's going to feel comfortable. This is not going to be a place where the spirit of hell is going to be able to take up residence. This is not going to be a place where the spirit of hell is going to be able to sit comfortably. But when it comes into the presence of the Lord, just like that man, when Jesus showed up to church and he rose to speak, that man got up and said, let us alone. What was going on there? Whatever kind of church they'd been having before, it wasn't alive enough. Whatever kind of church they'd been having before, it was too dead. I know a lot of people won't say that, but I'll say that because it's the truth. It wasn't apostolic. 
whatever kind of church they'd been having before, it wasn't enough to get the devil to cry out. It wasn't enough to, to a man would stand up and resist anything that was going. That spirit would stand up and resist anything that was going. He was able to go incognito through church services. I'm going to tell you, I don't want one devil of hell to be able to sit here comfortably and cross his arms and prop up his legs and say, hey, I'm just having church with the rest of you. Amen. No, 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 no. We're going to worship with enough intensity. We're going to praise and pray and seek God with enough intensity that it puts the devil uncomfortable and it makes him not want to just sit idly by but something raises up. I'd rather have a little bit of resistance than to have some devil that is comfortable manipulating a church service. You know what? You can stand with me. Spirits of hell, the enemy, gets mighty uncomfortable when real apostolics start praising God, starts worshiping the Lord, starts magnifying God. It makes him uncomfortable. That spirit... That is maybe, I'm, I don't feel like there's anybody in this room that is in the condition that this young man was in. But maybe there's a spirit that is trying to suppress you and make you feel discouraged and make you feel doubtful, and make you feel down, make you question the will of God for your life. Our question whether or not God is able to help you. That's all the work of the enemy. In the very beginning of time, it was the devil that tried to put question on what God had said to Eve. Hath God said? And he's still doing that today. Hath God said he can give you the Holy Ghost? Hath God said he can heal your body? Hath God said... Has God said that he can fulfill his promise in your life? Has God said that he can do this work for you? Has God said he can still answer prayer? Has God said he's trying to get you to question? And then if you say, well, you know, I believe he can do it, but I just don't know if he can do it for me. That's where a lot of people are at. It's not that they doubt God is able. They just doubt that he's able to do it for them. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. They doubt whether he's able to do it in their life. Amen. But I'm going to tell you that God is not a respecter of persons. And if he can do it for one, he can do it for another. You say, I don't understand the turmoil. I don't understand the fight. I don't understand the struggle. Well, I'm going to tell you why the devil is kicking up dust right now. It's because you're closer to victory than you've ever been. I'll tell you, when there's resistance in a church, that church is closer to revival many times than it's ever been. It seems like you get to a certain level and then the devil starts trying to kick up dust on every corner. All kinds of people will get sick. All kinds of trouble will break out. All kinds of things will go wrong. It seems like like he does his best to stop the progress and the promises of God from being fulfilled. Why? Because he knows they're fixing to cross a line. They're fixing to get in territory. I'm not going to be able to control this no more. I'm losing control. So he resists with everything he's got. But somebody needs to wise up to that. The Bible said we're not ignorant. Turn around somebody. You need to tell them this anyway. You're not ignorant. Some wife says to her husband, I've been trying to tell you that. Some husband says to his wife, I've been trying to tell you that. You're not ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Now, ignorant in that connotation is not how we think of it. What it means is unaware. In other words, we're not unaware of what the devil's trying to do. To be ignorant of something is just to not know it. It's not to be dumb. It's just to not know it. I'm ignorant about some things, and I'm proud of it. I like to be ignorant of some gossip. 
I like to be late to those kind of parties. You mean because I don't want to clutter my mind with that stuff. Don't be ignorant. Don't be unaware of Satan's devices. Don't be ignorant of it. Because if you're ignorant of it, you're going to be taken advantage of. We know, we have enough experience to know that when he's fighting, there's a reason for it. When he's resisting, there is a reason for it. It's not just happenstance. So you think about it. When there's some area of your life when he raises his ugly head and starts resisting you, you just need to be aware. Hey, I wonder what's around the corner for this. You need to start looking. There's got to be a blessing over there somewhere. When I get over this obstacle, when I get around this that's frightening me, when I get through this, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to be able to rejoice. Some of you are not hearing me tonight. Amen. Because if you did, you wouldn't wait. Amen. You'd already be running these aisles. You'd already be leaping for joy. You'd already be shouting. If you knew on the other side of this, uh, you was going to see revival in your family. If you knew on the other side of this, that you was going to see some long prayers that you've been praying. Already, those things are going to be mad. You'd already be shouting. You'd already be rejoicing if you knew your body was going to be healed. If you knew that he was going to work a miracle for you, I wonder how you would respond. If you knew it was going to happen, if you knew it was going to take place, come on, don't judge the resistance wrong. Judge it right. But there's a reason why the devil is fighting. Somebody throw up your hands and come down to this front. And so I'm going to start rejoicing now because I know this resistance has a reason. There's a purpose. Amen. Something is happening for a reason. Right now the devil's stirred up for a reason. But when the dust is settled, God's will is God to be done hallelujah hallelujah oh somebody praise the Lord somebody praise the Lord come on sister get a hold of another sister's hand and raise it up we're going to be victorious. Brother, get a hold of another brother's hand and raise it up. It is a sign of victory. We're going to come out of this. We are going to be victorious. There may be resistance right now, but don't judge it wrong. We're going to come out on the other side and everything's going to be all right. When the dust settles, we're going to be victors. When the dust settles, we're going to overcome it. When the dust settles, we're going to be whole. When the dust settles, we're going to have received our miracle. When the dust settles, there's going to be revival. When the dust settles, prayers are going to be answered.